1: To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor.
2: They're crying out because they know Jesus is God and they're crying out to him, O Lord. And then they cry out for mercy. Mercy, of course, is mercy is not getting what you deserve. They're saying, we're not crying to you, we have a right, we're entitled, like everybody else, to see. They're not doing that. They're crying out to Jesus to be merciful, full of mercy. And so then they cry out for him to have mercy on us, O Lord. And then they cry out with a very special title, very special title, reserved for only one person in verse 30 when they say son of David, son of David. That was a special title reserved for only one person, the Messiah. So they're saying Jesus is God. So they're saying Jesus is merciful. They're saying Jesus is the Messiah and they are crying out to him and when the people heard that, they were not at all sympathetic. To those blind men, in verse 31, in verse 31, the multitude rebuked them because they should hold their peace. But they cried out the more, saying, have mercy on us, O Lord, thou son of David. The multitude, they looked at those blind men and they said, you are miserably blind men who sit and beg. And the multitude had no heart at all for these blind men. They had no compassion. They, weren't, they actually tried to keep them quiet keep them back they were trying to keep them back from the lord the multitude they looked at it and they said everything is going so well we have a wonderful procession we're following jesus and then all of a sudden oh no not those awful blind men they're ruining it all today with their shouts out to christ they're so out of line they're so interrupting they need to just keep quiet But when Christ saw those blind men, his response was not that. It was totally the opposite. It says in verse 34, verse 34, so Jesus had compassion on them. And so now the multitude is about to learn that Jesus is the king of mercy. The king of the Jews is the king of mercy. And now there's a response of Jesus to those blind men in verse 32. And his response in verse 32 is, Jesus stood still and called them and said, what will you that I should do unto you? That all changed when Jesus stood still and when he stood still, and he calls them. Those same people who were just a moment ago pushing those blind men away have now changed when Jesus stood still and what we have seen in another gospel in Mark, in Mark chapter 10. Verse 49, Mark chapter 10, verse 39, where it says, and Jesus stood still and commanded them to be called, and they called him, saying unto him, be of good comfort, rise, he calleth thee. So now the multitude, the multitude, the same people who were calling for the blind men to keep quiet, in essence, they're now saying, in essence, they were saying, be of bad comfort. Now they're saying, be of good comfort, rise, he calls that's a great label. That's a great phrase there. Be of good comfort, rise, he calleth thee. It's a good, i like to put that on our Bibles. That'd be a good thing. I'd like to put that on our Bibles because it's the times when we don't feel like reading our Bibles and we feel cast down, when we feel discouraged, to see that on our Bibles would be wonderful. would be nice pick up your Bible and say, be of comfort, rise, he calleth thee. So we open our Bibles with an open heart, and we say, oh yeah, Jesus is calling us like the hymn puts, Jesus calls us or the tumult of our life's wild, restless sea. Day by day, his voice invites me saying, Christian, follow me. Jesus calls us from the worship of the vain world's golden store, from each idol that would keep us saying, Christian, love me more. Jesus calls us, in your mercy, Savior, help us hear your call. Give our hearts to your obedience, serve and love the best of all. Great phrase. Okay, the scene must have been so amazing. From verse 29, we can see that it was a great multitude of people. They're following him as he leaves Jericho. And it was not a silent procession there. You can imagine, we can imagine all those voices of the multitude calling out to their friends, Come join us. We're going the procession. They go forward. And then all of a sudden on a street corner, whatever it was, two blind men, they're calling out to the Lord, two lone voices among so many voices that day, so many voices in the ears of Christ, and among those many, many voices are two voices, two individuals, two very blind men, two very desperate men, and they might have thought to themselves, we're just two voices out of so many voices, but it all changes when Christ hears those two voices out of the many voices, in verse 32 and his response is Jesus stood still right then he just froze in his place he stood still it was like the whole world stood still everything stopped he stands still he hears these two individual voices and it's like a touch of faith from these two voices a touch of faith just like that woman that woman in mark 5:24 mark 5:24 where it says Jesus Jesus went with him, and much people followed him and thronged him, it says. And a certain woman, just one woman, which had an issue of blood 12 years and suffered many things of many physicians, spent all that she had, was nothing better, rather grew worse, when she heard that Jesus came and the press behind touched his garment. She said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, who touched my clothes? His disciples said unto him, thou seest the multitude thronging thee and sayest thou who touched me? He looked about to see her that had done this thing. There were so many people that were thronging Christ in that time, just like there were so many voices in his ear in that procession, and that there was that one woman, that one solitary woman, she reached out her hand, and by faith, she touches his clothes, and he stops dead in his tracks right then. And when Jesus looked at that woman, it was, again, as if the earth stood still, and he, he turns about, and he sees nobody but that one woman and he looks right at her. And in essence, he said, you're welcome. You're welcome. Glad to do it. Glad to do it. Glad to heal you of your issue of blood. You believed I could? You believed that all you had to do is to just touch it? Mazel tov to you. He says, that was very good. I will not disappoint your belief in me. And that's the, really what happened with these two blind men. Again, lots of voices, he hears two voices, he stops dead in his tracks. He asks what you want, he tells them, he heals them, and then he says to them, you're welcome, glad to do it. Glad to heal you of your blindness. You believed I could? (laughs) I won't disappoint you, muzzle talk to you. So these three words, Jesus stood still, are such an encouragement to us when we've got a need And we come to Jesus and we just grab these words in verse 32, Jesus stood still. Jesus stood still. He's on his way to be crucified after all. He's on his way to his death, a horrible death, but he still has time to stand still and and heal. Wow, what a savior he is. Jesus stood still and then he called them and he asked them a question. What will you that I shall do unto you? They're quick to give an answer. In verse 33, in verse 33, they say unto him, Lord, that our eyes may be healed. It's almost like they took their finger and they pointed right here. Yeah. Here's what you can do for us. We're blind. Our eyes may be healed. It's interesting that those two men, there's a lot of interesting things. One of the things that says that our eyes may be healed, those two men were together Answering the Lord. They were together asking the Lord. They were together answering the Lord. They had called out to Christ together and now they were answering. They were both in this miserable state of being blind and they were both calling out to Christ. And as they did, it's almost like you can see one's encouraging the other. That's what a testimony of salvation is. A testimony of salvation is an encouragement to another person. Christ can save you. Look, he saved me. Really a testimony has got to be with like a red carpet being thrown out from it, saying there's your carpet, walk down it like did. And the Lord, in the response of the Lord in verse 34, the response of the Lord, so Jesus had compassion on them, touched their eyes immediately, their eyes received sight and they followed him. There was no delay, there was no delay at all from Christ healing. And it shows that when you see that, that there was no delay and he he immediately healed them, you can just see there, Christ wanted to heal these blind men. He wanted to. All they had to have is just show that they had confidence in Christ, that he could heal them. All Christ wanted to hear from those men was their assurance that they were sure that Christ had the power to heal them. That's all he wanted. He, once he heard from them that they were coming to Christ to heal their eyes, and that they believed that he could, immediately their eyes received sight in verse 34. It shows us Christ is much more willing to help us than we are to ask him for help. It's wrong for us to think that Christ is reluctant to help us and that we have to try to convince Christ, that we have to try to push him, persuade him. He's more willing to help us than we are to ask him for help. The reason there's a delay, say so then you'd say, well then if that's true why is there such a delay in my answer to my prayers? The reason that there's a delay in Christ helping us is because he wants to develop within us and strengthen faith. Faith. That's what we see in this history. There was a physical need of these two men. They were blind. Christ did feel their misery. He felt that blindness in verse 34. Verse 34 Jesus had compassion on them, but they weren't healed at first. Why? Because the spiritual work needed to be done in them. And that work, you can see in his question, was so obvious they were blind. Why would you ask a question like that? But the question had a purpose to it in verse 32, what will you that I shall do unto you? What do you expect? You know, I want you to give me a chocolate sundae today with nuts on top. No, the reason that they were not healed instantly was because faith had to be developed in them, which means they had to step forward with their belief and make an outward declaration with their mouth of their belief that they believe that Christ had both the power to heal them and the will to heal them. That's what faith in Christ is. It's the belief that he has the power to save and the will to save. And that faith has to come from the person who is in need. And that outward declaration of the faith has to come from the person in verse 33, verse 33, they say unto him, Lord, that our eyes may be healed. This is Romans 10, 9, Romans 10, 9, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, you confess that he's God, and shall believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. And when Christ asked those blind men in verse 32, verse 32, what will you that I shall do unto you? That was Christ asking them to state their need. What is your need? It was obvious they were blind, but Christ needed for them to say it. And when a lost person comes to Christ, it's just like Christ is saying, what will you that I shall do unto you? And with that lost person, he must state His need, like those blind men pointing to their eyes, a lost person has to point to himself and say, it's me, I'm a sinner. I'm a dirty, rotten sinner. Please save me from my sin. Heal me from my sin. Forgive me from my sin. Cleanse me from my sin. Give me the power over my sins. Those three things, forgive, cleanse, power. And when those blind men were asked by Christ, in verse 32, what will you that I shall do unto you? They could not respond with, well, you know, I don't want to say, but you know what the problem is. You know what the problem is. No, that wouldn't fly. That wouldn't fly at all. They had to confess their problem just as every sinner needs to confess his problem of sin to Christ. And then Christ would ask, what do you want me to do about that? What do you want me to do about that? What do you believe that I can and am willing to do about that. That's how faith is born, that's how faith is exercised, and that's how faith is strengthened. And this is what Christ is wanting to do in our lives in Ephesians 3.16, Ephesians 3.16, he would grant unto you that according to the riches of his grace, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. That's faith born, exercised, and strengthened. And only after there's this unwavering belief in the power and the, the will of Christ, in Mark and Luke, there's an addition here, which is very important, Mark and Luke, uh, to this history. Mark 1052, Mark 10:52. Jesus said unto him, "Go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole." Luke says it this way. Luke says it this way, Luke 1842, 1842, Luke. Jesus said unto him, "Receive thy sight, thy faith hath saved thee." So the question when you read something like that is that, what do you mean thy faith have made thee whole? What did the Lord Jesus mean when he said, thy faith has saved thee? It was Jesus who made them whole. It was Jesus who cured who their blindness. How was it their faith that made them whole? It was Jesus who saved them from blindness. How was it their faith that saved them? Faith has an object. If a person said to have faith, the next question is faith in what? Faith in who? In this case, It's faith in Christ. In other words, Christ said of their faith that it saved them. He was saying that their faith in him saved them. Their faith in him made them whole. It was their confidence in Christ that made them whole. It was their belief into Christ that saved them. And what specific beliefs are we talking about? They had two specific beliefs that made them whole, that saved them. First. The first is that they believed that Christ had the power, had the power to do this. He had the power to cure their blindness. They believed that it was, he was the creator. And Psalm 94.9, Psalm 94.9 says about the creator, he that planteth the ear, shall he not ear? He that formed the eye, shall he not see? They believed that he formed the eye. If they didn't believe that Christ had the power, they wouldn't have asked him to help. So the first essential belief can be just described in one word, power, power. Faith has a confidence that Christ has the power to make whole or save. Not like this. the father of the sick child. The father of the sick child, he didn't have a confidence that Christ had the power. And because he didn't, Christ said to him, you are in a state of unbelief. In Mark 9:20, Mark 9:20, they brought unto him, and when he saw him, straightway the spirit tear him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming. And he asked his father, How long is it since this came unto him? And he said, Of a child. And oft times it cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But it, but if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible of him that believeth. And straightway the father of the child cried out saying, with tears, Lord I believe, help thou mine unbelief. There must be belief in the power of Christ, and Christ probed whether or not those blind men had a belief in his power when he asked them in verse 32 and verse 32, what will ye that I should do unto you? The need was obvious, they were blind, but the question was whether they had a strong confidence that Christ was able to give them sight. And the answer was, in verse 33, in verse 33, Lord, that our eyes may be opened. That was a firm statement of faith that Christ had the power to heal. And if they didn't have that belief in his power, then they would not have received their sight. It was their faith in the power of Christ that drove them to come to Christ that made them whole from their blindness. And in that sense, it was their faith in the power of Christ that made them whole, that saved them. Without that, without that, there's no saving. So Christ probes those who come to Him, to see whether they really believe this or not. In uh, there was another blind man, another blind man in Matthew nine twenty-seven. Then that we already looked at Matthew nine twenty-seven. When Jesus departed, then sorry, two blind men, two blind men in, in Matthew nine. And when Jesus departed thence, two blind men followed Him, crying and saying, "Thou Son of David, have mercy on us." When He was coming to the house, the blind men came to Him. Jesus saith unto Him. Believe ye that I am able to do this? They said unto him, Yea, Lord. Then touched he their eyes, and he said, According to your faith, be it unto you. So when he said that in Matthew 9.29, Matthew 9.29, when he said, According to your faith, be it unto you, he meant to the same degree that you believe that I am able to make your eyes see, to that same degree your eyes will be made to see. If they said something like, well, we only believe you can straighten out a little bit of the vision and we're gonna wear glasses, then they would wear glasses. So the first essential belief that these blind men had was a strong belief that Christ had the power. No one can be saved from their sins unless they first believe that Christ has the power to save them from their sins. And Christ has the power to forgive sins and to cleanse from sins and to take away sins and to reconcile the sinner to God. But there's got to be that belief there. And then they had to believe that Christ had the will to heal them. I mean, when these blind men started out to cry, they said, have mercy on us. And when they were told to keep quiet by the multitude, it says, keep quiet. The multitude was telling those blind men, you should keep quiet because Christ is on his way to Jerusalem and he does not have the will to be interrupted by you. He does not have the will to heal you. So the multitude are telling those blind men that they should keep quiet because Christ has no interest in healing them. The multitude was telling the blind men, keep quiet, because they didn't believe the truth that Christ had the, the will. They believed the truth that he had the power, but they didn't, believe, they didn't believe he had the will. And so they told him to keep quiet. And when they told them that, they were telling those blind men, Christ has the power to heal you, but he doesn't have the will to heal you and those blind men did not accept that. They did not accept that from the multitude, and that's why in verse 31, verse 31 it says, they cried the more, saying, have mercy on us, O Lord, Son of David. When they, they stepped up the intensity, they said, no, we believe Christ has both the power and the will to heal us. The leper who came to Christ before, he believed that Christ had the power to heal his leprosy, but he didn't know if he had the will Luke 5.12, Luke 5.12, it came to pass when he was in a certain city, behold, a man full of leprosy who, seeing Jesus, fell on his face and besought him, saying, Lord, if thou will, thou canst make me clean. So with that leper found out, what he found out was that Christ not only had the power, but also had the will, and that's why in Luke 5.13, Luke 5.13, Jesus responded, he put forth his hand, touched him, saying, I will be thou clean and immediately his leprosy was cleansed from him
1: another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org that's friendshipwithgod.org you can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, 330 Santee, California, 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, 92071, or email Tom Cantor at Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051.
0: What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on youtube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.